Hi, I'm Howard Tierski. Welcome to the Winning Digital Customers Podcast, where we focus on the stories of large-scale digital transformations told by the people who lead them. All right, welcome everybody back to the Winning Digital Customers Podcast. I have an amazing guest with me today, Dennis Wakabayashi, and I'm so proud to know how to say that name correctly. More impressive even than his name, he is the Vice President of Customer Experience Solutions for RR Donnelly, which you may or may not know is the seventh largest advertising company in the world. So he's running customer experience for one of the largest companies in the world, delivering customer experience to digital customers every single day. There's also a long list of recognition and acknowledgement that Dennis has gotten. And I'll just mention a few things. He was recently named one of the top customer experience influencers of the decade, the decade. So this is uh, no flash in the pan. He's been consistently acting as a leader, providing thought leadership around the topic of customer experience. Among other things, he's been named one of the top 75 email marketing influencers, one of the top 55 digital marketing experts you should follow on social media by Sprout Social. He's a member of the advisory board with Adobe. He works on the CX advisory board for the University of Houston and many, many other acknowledgements and things that he's involved in as a result of his true industry leadership around the area of customer experience. So I really want to welcome Dennis. And Dennis, let me ask you to share with the audience anything else that would be good for them to know about you before we dive into lots of interesting topics. Howard, thank you so much. Wow, you really did your homework reaching back to some of those accolades about email and social media. Thank you so much. I don't have anything to add. I think you really summed it up great. The best part about the work that I do is working at a company that allows me to learn from the world's leading brands and share the experiences, no pun intended, that I have in those brands with other companies who are trying to succeed and in particular, during 2020, there were a lot of challenges. So throughout 2020, my main mission in the CX community was to provide new best practices, ways to react to the customer, and how to bring efficiency and scale to companies that were downsizing. And so it's been a really tough year for a lot of folks, and it, it's just been great to help as many people as I could. Yeah, very interesting year for everybody. And I know one of the things that you talk a lot about in providing thought leadership around customer experience is this issue of balancing supply with demand. I think that's such an interesting topic because so often when we think about the experience, we focus first on how to sell something, how to create an ordering experience, for example, but making sure that we can really fulfill the promise of what we're promoting through, for example, advertising, other kinds of marketing is really equally or even potentially more important. So I'd love you to just share with the audience some of your thoughts about that, including I know you've got a great example to share around a poultry. I really think the audience is especially interested in hearing any poultry related stories. So can you just share some of that? Howard, you're exactly right. A lot of CX folks start with the customer entertainment or their happiness. Others will start with tactical implementations of how to decrease friction and the like. But in my case, I look at it entirely from a perspective of supply and demand. And, and you're right, at the time that I became aware of customer experience, I was working for a national restaurant. We sold rotisserie chickens. Every year, because I ran the email marketing, I made sure that my grandmother got a discount for a chicken on her birthday. Well, one particular year, we got the coupon. My wife went down to pick up the chicken. 
and the location was out of chickens. And at that moment, I realized I, on the email marketing side, had created demand, but the gap in the customer experience was supply. Now, not a big deal to a lot of people, maybe in their day-to-day work, but at this moment in time, I had a problem. My grandmother had a problem with me. My wife had a problem with me and my CEO had a problem. And so it really forced me to sort of stop, look and listen to what was happening to not just my grandmother, but all customers. And that really put me on a two-year journey to uncover what the challenges were with supply and demand. And what I learned ultimately Howard, was that we can, on the marketing side, create demand, but unless we're, we're hand-in-hand and lockstep with supply chain and logistics, the balance of customer experience doesn't hit its full stride. And what I mean by that is the outcome of the chicken story was we began to forecast three months in advance when customers would be in the store based on the demand that we plan to create. And we can communicate that to our procurement supply chain and logistics people so that when those customers went into the restaurants, they would get rotisserie chickens. It really worked well. And flash forward now, the reason I'm at RR Donnelly is RR Donnelly's entire heritage or legacy is around logistics and supply chain. So I felt going into 2020 that they were really the best poised to deliver customer experiences across any touch point that required customer data and to do it at scale from a logistics perspective. Yeah. So talk a little more about how you solve that problem. And especially in the year of COVID, I know I still can't get paper towels, right? So things happen sometimes, whether it's a hurricane or something as dramatic as a pandemic or just an unexpected level of forecast or of interest in a product. Sometimes it's hard to know which products are going to be the hot Christmas product, you know, hot Christmas toy or or what have you. It's going to be a hotter than normal season. And so you need more of certain products. What methods do you guys use to more successfully connect supply with demand so you can really make sure you're fulfilling the complete customer journey and not just creating demand, but fulfilling that demand and leaving the customer happy? Yeah, that's a really complicated question, but let's unpack that. Let's break it up into a couple of pieces. For companies who experienced growth during COVID, they still have a retrospective look at their customers' behavior year over year, month over month, week over week which is really the key point of view in which to forecast the demand. And then it's a matter of forecasting the demand enough in advance that your supply chain and procurement teams can align with you. So that's, that's really the most basic and, and most fundamental way is you work off your historical data about customers, forecast, traditional. Mm-hmm. When you look at a more advanced version of that, What we actually do is we track not just the customer journeys, but we track the product journeys. So what that means is we look at the movement of all the SKUs or the products or the widgets or the chickens through the supply chain out to their locations. And we map those against all the customer behaviors. And that's how we identify why you might need 500 extra chickens or video games or widgets in Denver instead of Dallas. So that particular way of doing things is fairly new. It requires artificial intelligence and it requires access to a lot of data. But we essentially track the product journeys and the customer journeys to see where they intersect. And then we inform supply chain and logistics. Yeah. The final and most relevant thing you said, which is what happens when it's something none of us can predict? 
And I think the answer there is you go straight to your social listening. Customers everywhere will tell you, we're out of toilet paper here. We need paper towels here. This is going to be the demand. And I can tell you that in any crisis, there was a bank that I worked with once where customers told them three years in advance that there was going to be a problem. And just simply listening to the customers in real time gives you that fast response to demand that we're talking about. Yeah. Well, that's a very interesting tip. So sometimes you can get faster insight about what's happening in your distribution or retail channel by doing social listening than even waiting for the more sort of formal structured information that may come back, for example, about out of stocks that you may get from your retailers or distributors. That's 100% right. And I think the other thing, and because you pointed that out so eloquently, is if not social listening, your customer care departments, they know. So you have the data. If you don't want to go externally, externally is great for forecasting a lot because you see the conversations before they hit the brand. But your customer care center has a wealth of information to help you respond to rapid change in the market. Yeah. Well, this is a, a really interesting area because I would guess that a lot of people that are thinking about this space of CX may not be thinking about some of the things you're talking about as really being sort of in their domain. It's sort of someone else. That's, that's operations. It's not, you know, CX, although I totally think you raise an excellent point. It makes, brings very sharp contrast to the difference between, say, UX versus CX. I mean, you're just talking really about making sure the customer's happy in the end. And to do that, obviously, there's a lot of components that are involved. That's right. Do you feel like this is something that is overlooked by a lot of CX teams when they think about their overall CX? There's like the happy path, right? Like we like to map out, well, this is how we expect things to happen. But you're pointing out some of the challenges that happen in the real world. Do you think there's anything CX teams need to be thinking about or doing differently to make sure that this part of the real fulfilling the promise to the customer is not being overlooked? I think that you're right. And we look at a couple of different generations or graduating classes of CXers, if you will. So when we look at the pioneers, uh, Gene Bliss or uh, Shep Hyken, those folks, they really paved the way for the discussion in a corporation about putting the customer at the center of decisions. And then you add the next class, which is sort of my group, where we're responsible for delivering customer lifetime value and revenue. So we basically learned the strategic approach and the environment of customer experience from Shep and Gene and others. And then we applied it tactically through different sort of channels. What I see as an, a daily practitioner for Fortune 500 brands is in 2021, the big news is in some instances, the customer journey will disappear and we will have brands and customers holding hands directly with no intermediaries. So I think what people should pay attention to in 2021 is customer journeys will go away at certain touch points and those will be the ones that drive the highest revenue. Now, I have to ask you to unpack that a little bit more because as somebody who does a lot of customer journey work, my first thought is, oh no, my business. <laughs> you know? But I think you mean that in a particular sort of way that certain types of customer journeys will go away. Or can you elaborate a little bit more on if what we call customer journey potentially goes away, what's it being replaced by? Because is there not then a new kind of a journey or would you call that something else where the customer still has to learn about a product, go through a decision-making process, go through an ordering experience, go through a fulfillment experience, a usage experience, et cetera? Great point. So I'll give you two examples of where the customer journey will disappear. I think you're right that there are a lot of touch points and every customer interacts differently with the brand. 
But two examples that we've never seen before, there is, as an example, a company called Joined App. And what they've done is they've moved the transaction gateway into the chat feature. So now you have customers who are chatting directly with the brand and able to purchase without leaving the window. So they don't go to a, a PayPal or to another gateway. They don't end their transaction elsewhere. They speak to the brand and the brand allows them to purchase without any other steps. Why that's important, I think at a basic level is how you throw in a couple things in your shopping cart, the dog barks, you run to the door and you abandon that shopping cart. And then brands spend all this money to get you to come back in and finish your shopping experience. Well, guess what? When you're in a chat window with someone and the dog barks, you don't abandon the chat window. You stay. And so that just that one level of closer interaction creates a much more beneficial experience for the customer and the brand. Customer has first-class service and the brand realizes two to six times the conversion rates. So huge piece there. The other interesting place where I see the customer journey going away is there's a company called Heartbeat. Heartbeat.com essentially is matching actual consumers with the brand as content creators and they're co-creating the experiences. So you have no, no one in the middle of the customer and the brand taking that message out to the marketplace. And so there's two instances where we used to see a lot of steps in the path and now they're not there. The benefit to both the brand and the consumer is it drives costs down. The new way of using TikTok at Heartbeat is 90% cheaper than your traditional social media outreach. And the content is probably better. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that makes total sense. Coincidentally, I, I just did a live cast on this the other day on the topic of the shrinking customer experience. And I think I, I agree with you, although I might articulate a little bit differently. But yeah, I think one of the things that we always talk about and I talk about in my book is hyperconvenience, right? This is one of the number yeah. one characteristics of successful digital brands. And so hyperconvenience in part means making it take less time, less clicks, fewer things you have to absorb and understand in order to go through the process you need to go through. You still need to go through the process of deciding what you want, evaluating alternatives, doing a transaction, et cetera. But how can we simplify it? And if we get better and better and making it more and more efficient to the point that you're doing automatic reordering, or just like you described, you know, ordering your pizza by putting one pizza emoji into your chat exactly. box, you know, you have a, a much smaller customer experience and therefore your customer journey has less effort, you know? And I think that very, very often, I think that's absolutely completely in line with what makes brands successful today. Uh, although it also creates some, some challenges. Well, it makes me think of a couple of follow-up questions, but one is, what do you think that some of the challenges are for brands in a world where that customer experience is shrinking? I will tell you the number one challenge for all brands, in my belief, in 2021 is level setting. I think we saw brands react to something we've never reacted to before this pandemic. I think it changed the organizational structure of many brands. I think it changed the prioritization. We saw a fast swing over to e-commerce as an example. And what I believe is the most important thing going into 2021 is a fast level set. And I, I say this passionately because I'm actually working with three other CXers to create a very quick module 
that any brand can watch this module and give it to all of their employees and level set in terms of customer experience and employee experience so that teams can head into 2021 on the same page. I think there's been a lot of chaos. Yeah, that sounds interesting, but I want to make sure I'm understanding what would be an example of a well-level set or not well-level set customer employee experience. I think that a well-level set team has everyone speaking the same jargon Mm -hmm. because there's so much of it out there. I think a level set team would look to eight core principles of CX to build upon in 2021 rather than a thousand opportunities for CX. And I think a company that may not be quite up to speed or acting a little bit sluggish may be focusing in too many different directions and not taking the opportunity to simply say, do we need this this many touch points? And can these touch points be put under a single roof or partner? And you know, I think brands be wise to look at efficiencies in 2021 in both internal communication and then external logistics. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what are you excited about as you look at the new year? Is there, is there anything that you see coming that you think is kind of the next frontier, the next opportunity to differentiate through CX? I, I think any of these technologies that allow you to bring the customer and the brand together to co-create the next rendition of experience, those are the ones that matter. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you a little bit about recovery because you talked about the chicken problem earlier. And certainly during COVID, we've seen a lot of failed forecasts, right? Maybe not due to anyone's real fault. It would have been very difficult to have forecasted this. But uh, when you find yourself in the situation like where your grandmother goes to get her chicken, or even before she goes to get the chicken, you use that social listening that you mentioned earlier to become aware that you have this mismatch of supply and demand. Are there particular approaches that you recommend that brands engage in, maybe in the short, medium, and long term, to try to deal with those situations when they come up? Wow, Howard, those are some really great questions. So the response, the bottom line to the answer to all of your questions is timing. It's never really about what we do or how we do it. And I would, I would even say it's not even why all the time. When we're serving customers, it's when can it happen? The more you can listen in social, the earlier warning bell you'll have. I think you'll have a second louder warning bell in your customer care part of your business. And then I think your revenues, when they start dropping, that's kind of like the fire alarm to react. So what I would say is keep your perspective on the customer outward. Listen to the conversations. People are, are sharing more than ever on social. And I think that gives you your earliest indicator. And what you do at each stage is really a matter of how you how you can scale up or scale back. And to that, I would say what we're seeing at RRD is a lot of brands have the need to have flexible teams. So we're supplementing a lot of teams with a rapid scale up to meet a particular demand holiday, if you will and allowing them to scale back down so that they're, they can manage their P&Ls in a way that's more in alignment with the customer behavior mm-hmm. and maybe a little less in alignment with the more traditional or old school ways of doing business. Mm-hmm. Great. 
Dennis, if someone wants to learn more about your work and your thought leadership and all the stuff that you're doing to help people who are in the CX space to influence them and to provide them tools, where's the best place for them to go to learn more? DennisWakabayashi.com. W-A-K-A-B-A-Y-A-S-H-I. My guest has been Dennis Wakabayashi, the Vice President of Customer Experience Solutions at Market Leader R.R. Donnelly, telling us everything from chickens to forecasting to the big, exciting things for next year. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Winning Digital Customers podcast. Thanks to my guest, Dennis. Have a great day, a great new year, and a great 2021. Thanks, Howard.